Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Wonderful to be with you as we bring you a plethora of fabulous guests today. Lots of fun, something for everyone. We're going to kind of run the gamut on topics. My first guest is Jotham S. Stein. His book is a, a absolute must-have for anybody who is either starting a business, going into business, getting a job, you name it. It's called Negotiate Like a CEO, How to Get Ahead with Lessons Learned from Top entrepreneurs and executives. It's a great, great book and lots of good advice for anyone in on any level of where they are at in business. And also for lots of fun, we're having an actress from Menopause, the musical coming to the Lerner Theater on Tuesday night. And we're going to talk to Donna J. Huntley about this hilarious, longest running scripted musical in the United States. Menopause the Musical is not only done in the States, it's done all over the world. And Donna J. Huntley plays what is known as the professional as the character. We're going to have a lot of fun hearing from Donna all about the show. And of course, we're brought to you as always, buy Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. There's one thing you don't ever want to negotiate with, and that's your good health. Uh, we don't want to take chances. We don't want to wait until we're in the woods of some type of uh, overall feeling of malaise or lack of energy or um, immune system that's kind of at an all-time low. We don't want to do that. And nutrition is truly God's way of keeping us healthy, good nutrition. Well, Balance of Nature understands that. And that was the whole reason it was created by Dr. Douglas Howard about 20 years ago. And he figured out that when you choose certain vegetables and certain fruits, and quite a lot of them, about 32 of them in total, and you put them together into a proprietary blend, but you leave all the nutrition in, you don't take it out by heating it or freezing it or anything like that. There is a a vacuum process that happens that takes the water out but leaves all the nutrition in. You can get 10 servings a day of your needed fruits and vegetables that I, I have to admit myself, I don't know anybody, especially me, that can maintain getting 10 servings of pure fruits and raw vegetables into my body on a daily basis. Just doesn't happen for a myriad of reasons. But Most importantly, I need to get it in there no matter what. And really, everybody does. It's what the human body needs. Great nutrition. Balance of Nature is easy to order. You just go to balanceofnature.com, the website, balanceofnature.com. Make sure you put my name in the promo code when you do, Laura, L-A-U-R-A. That way they know you heard it here on the way home, and you'll get your 35% discount on your first preferred order. You'll always get free shipping with that by putting Laura in the promo code. If you don't have a computer and you just want to call them the good old-fashioned way, super easy to remember number, 800-2468-751, 800-2468-751. And again, tell the nice person on the phone that you want to put Laura into the promo for your discount. When we come back, negotiate like a CEO and menopause the musical. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. 
Well, there is a book that I sure wish I had had long, long ago. And I think you're going to feel the same way. Even if you are not a CEO or upper management at a corporation, everybody needs to learn how to negotiate their way through their work life, their home life even. But we have somebody special here with a great new book. And again, boy, do I wish I had had this. Negotiate like a CEO, it's called. How to get ahead with lessons learned from top entrepreneurs and executives. The author, Jotham Stein, is my guest. And thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait to to dive into this. Well, I'm looking forward to it, too, Laura. Thank you very much for having me on your show and ask away. I mean, seriously, you know, it's it's almost like, well, for me anyway, it was you learned by through mistakes and you I learned about how to negotiate better after I made the mistakes. And and so, again, how I wish you're an attorney who specializes in helping executives, entrepreneurs how to protect themselves in the corporate world. But would would you say that this would be for really any world, not just necessarily corporate, but in any business um, transaction of, uh, type of, you know, any job, so to speak? It's absolutely. It's certainly for any business transaction, anybody who's starting a company or has any kind of company, small or large, to protect themselves, but also for any employee. Uh, starting from the, starting when you're just out of school or getting a job, um, all the way up to CEO, uh, to learn about things that are going to help you in your employment. That's how you have a, have a happier, uh, more positive life. I mean, if you protect yourself and you know what the upsides are and the downsides are, what an offer letter is and what companies are looking for. And if things are going great, um, that's fantastic. And you want to know how to maximize your personal, you know, your personal return in a company and a business as you're, as you're working there. And if they're not going well, you, you want, or you have a non-compete or something and you want to change jobs, you have to, you have to learn that as well. And, um, what you were talking about, the whole point of my book, uh, negotiate like a CEO is to give people the knowledge so they don't have to, you know, have, make all those mistakes the first time. Uh, or if they're going to make the mistakes, they do it with their eyes wide open and they know what's happening. So they see the tea leaves and they can move on and have a get a better job or change careers or whatever it is they need to do um, before it happens. So that was the whole point is I, I see it all the time, just like you're describing over and over again, the same sort of, of genres, uh, you know, experiences that happen. To use a book, book, a book analogy, like a, these kinds of things happen over and over again uh, in, in, in careers. And um, as you go through a career. And so why why? I figured, okay, when you start out with your career at the very beginning, if you had a book like mine, um, you know, these things wouldn't happen. Or, or like I said, you go in with your eyes wide open. Absolutely. I mean, when I look back on the trajectory of my life, and I'm talking about my broadcast career for 26 years now, in the beginning, pardon me, I was so naive and I was so eager to get in and jump into a company and get the experience I needed and to be well-liked and so forth. So I asked no questions. I just said, you know, you don't even have to pay me. I I just want to be here kind of thing. I mean, it was that bad. That's how naive I was. And then as I uh, went from company to company, I realized there are, are definitely uh, things in place such as contracts or agreements or even verbal contracts. And 
how do you know the right questions to ask? And like I said, I learned really the hard way. And I'm I'm thinking of a specific time that I jumped from doing one aspect of broadcasting into another aspect. And it was such a huge leap with such a big company and something that I wanted so desperately that when I asked him what the money was, I believed him when he gave me a figure and I just said, okay. And that he said, yeah, we we're a startup. So we just don't have the money and being just kind of a nice person. And once again, naive, I agreed to it only to find out three years later that here I was in a top managerial position and they had just hired an assistant to the marketing person who was right out of college literally like 20 years old or 22 years old or something. And she was making two and a half times my salary as a basically an assistant. And I realized I had been bamboozled. And let me tell you, I did. I did end up getting it changed, but I, I really knocked myself around for a long time that it took me two and a half years to do so. <laughs> so again, though it's things like that. You learn a lot. I learned never to do that again. I negotiate now no matter what. But you really need to have good tactics and such. So negotiate like a CEO. Tell us, give us your top five hits, if you wouldn't mind, Jotham. Like, what are some of the just real obvious things that people overlook? So uh, I'll answer that just a second. I just want to say you shouldn't feel that bad. Uh, the reason I wrote the book, and, and if you had it 21 years ago, maybe this or 22 years ago, maybe it wouldn't have happened. What, what you just described to, to your listeners happens all the time in all different walks of life and all different careers. So people under negotiate for themselves. They, they don't value themselves enough and they're afraid because they don't full information about the other side, which is the company, right? What they're thinking. And without full information, you can't possibly negotiate. Uh, in anything and certainly in employment. That's so don't feel too bad. Uh, the point of the book is so that it doesn't happen again to others. Uh, top five, um, um, uh, um, um, pointers, I guess. And each chapter in my book has things to remember for a pointer because the book takes you through like a, your career as you negotiate, you know, from the very beginning of employment all the way to the end and also for uh, to the end, meaning, um, if you ever get kicked out or you retire or whatever, and also for entrepreneurs as well. Um, the first is if you have any ability at all, negotiate your contract, whether it's an offer letter, one page or a half page, or it's a 15 page offer letter, um, negotiate like a CEO. That's the name of the book. Why? What do CEOs do? They negotiate their separation agreement before they begin work on day one. And why do they do that? Well, every CEO who I know of has ever taken over a company always thinks that they're going to make that company magic and it's going to grow to, to the end of time. But they know that things don't always work out the way you expect. And so they protect themselves on day one. And for somebody just starting out, protection can mean much less than a CEO, but you can, you can still do that. If you're in a pointers, if you're in a job, if things are going well, you want to have the tea leaves. You want to be able to know what's going on in the company and, and think about it and know what the tea leaves are. So you can negotiate better for yourself or you can get a better, a faster trajectory or, or a steeper trajectory for your career. On the other hand, if things aren't going well, like you want to leave and you have a non-compete or uh, or if you give it a performance improvement plan or you just have like a passive aggressive boss who wants to you know, get rid of you, um, you need to know those two leaves and, and what to do so that you can get a job, protect your downside and, and get a, another job or change careers or move to a different part of a company. 
So that's also important. That's, I think, number three. Uh, if you are, uh, are on your way out and they've actually given you a termination or told you your, your times to leave, if you can negotiate a back-end separation agreement, even if it's just one month pay, two months pay, three months pay, that'll make it a lot easier for you and, and, and a lot less stressful. So we have tips about that in the book and how to do that. And then finally, if, uh, on, on, if you actually find yourself on the street, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, you know, you walk to the door or you're fired or whatever it is. No, you're not alone. And there are all sorts. It happens to everybody, almost everybody in their career uh, at some point, and, including the most successful people. A lot of fit, people you, you read about in the newspaper, you see on the Internet who are famous and you hear in news, they've been fired once or twice before or been forced out of their own company, um, been cheated or whatnot. But there's ways to... To, to come back from that and know you're not alone. And so there are more tips in the book about sort of reincarnating your, your job prospects. And, and, uh, and also if you want to change careers, as some people do, uh, tips about that as well. Yeah. I know a, a very, very famous, um, nationwide a radio host. It's, she's one of, she's probably the biggest name in radio. And she told me one time I was having a conversation with her because I met her and she said that she was fired 13 times before she ever became the name that everybody knew her as. And I just thought that was really telling. And she said, you have to be fired at least nine times before you're going to be, know you're actually going to make it. And I said, oh, wow, that's kind of scary. But, but the point being that, um, those things happen and sometimes they're not the fault of, of yourself or whatever there could, you could have a, somebody who's out to get you, whatever it is. But so you're saying almost like a prenup is to a marriage. You're saying to get, have something in place before you even start the job to know what the conditions would be. Were you let go or whether you quit? Correct. That's absolutely right. In fact, uh, my book talks about a professional prenuptial agreement. That's what a CEO's offer letter is, the protection on day one. But again, a lot of people can get that uh, for different things. Um, in, in, even people starting out sometimes, if, if, if they have any ability to, or in their career, if they're going to move and somebody makes a counteroffer, you don't just want to accept the counteroffer. You want to do it with protection. Uh, whatever it is, um, it is a professional prenuptial agreement, whether it's a one-line sentence or it's a big contract, because... You're protecting yourself, um, your downside, your career, your, your livelihood, your family on day one. And so, uh, and, and instead of having it between two couples that are getting married, right? A male, uh, you know, whatever, whoever the couple is, could be anybody, but it could be professional prenuptial agreement. They're protecting that prenuptial agreement in, in, in sort of life and marriage is protecting sort of uh, your property interest in your money or whatever it is. When you're going, it's the same thing when you're going into a company, except the company is who you're, you might spend more time with than your, than your, than your significant other or spouse. Um, that they have, what are you protecting? You're protecting your money, which is your, your labor. And because you're getting them to agree to do something for you if they, if they kick you out or if you get divorced from the company, to use that analogy. My guest is Jotham Stein. He's written an incredible book, Negotiate Like a CEO, How to Get Ahead with Lessons Learned from Top Entrepreneurs and Executives. And I love, you know, what you're saying now. Would we all have this book when it is time to negotiate? Because I think sometimes we don't know whether to negotiate or not to even bring anything to the table 
um, we, a lot of times it's hard to know, you know, is, is it a good idea to try to, you know, put in things that I think that I'm going to need throughout this job? Or should I just be quiet because I don't want to rock the boat and I don't want them thinking I'm some kind of a prima donna and, and then saying, no, the job's going to go to someone else. How do you know when to negotiate? Uh, you almost always need to negotiate because the other side can almost always say no. Now, having said that, uh, and, and and so many people, um, let me just say before I say having said that, um, so many people short, short, short sell themselves. They don't negotiate like you were describing earlier when they really can because they're afraid if I negotiate, they're going to fire me before they even hire me. I mean, that's the concern, right? And, right. you know, there is a risk of that happening. I have to say in any situation, somebody may say, Take the position that, you know, my position is and what I gave you is the only position. I'm not going to don't want to negotiate with you and I'll hire somebody else. But if they're that kind of boss, you really want to be working for them. I can't tell you how many times people go into a job and they, they have the worst parts of all time and it makes their life miserable. And um, I, I can't tell you how many times that people come to me and I listen to the fact pattern. You know, I ask them what's going on in their career and I really have to ask them a lot of detailed questions. And then I, my first question out of my mouth after I hear everything is, why do you want to work there anymore? And, and uh, with people that can move careers. So um, going back to your original, um, the question is, um, most with the having, when I said having said that, having said that, there are certain times in your life um, where you might have to take the job without asking questions. Listen, if, this, if, you've, if you've been, you know, not employed for a long period of time where you have no other job prospects, um, or, you know, you have a medical bill that has to be paid with the advance you're going to get. Something like that. You, your personal risk, when you do your own personal risk analysis, you can't, you don't negotiate, you wouldn't negotiate. In that case, you might take the job um, without negotiating. But I have to say, while your inclination, your listener's inclination is that's going to happen all the time, that really doesn't happen that much many times in your life. So you have to be, what I would say, cold and calculating about it. Um, with yourself, look yourself in the mirror. And if you're in not that circumstance where it is, you know, it's either I take this job or I'm really going to, or somebody in my family is going to purely suffer, then you should negotiate. Because in a normal circumstance, what's the, what's the worst the other side's going to say? No. Right. And, and, and you know what? How many times now that you're, you, you've had this experience and you were describing what happened to you in the career and uh, in your career, how many times do you think that the your employer or the radio station or, or the whoever you're contracting with, how many times do you think they gave you their bottom line on the first go, on the first offer? That almost never happens. So, right. And uh, now I know that. Now I know that. Had no clue back then. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. If I can also say um, some of the shrewdest negotiators in the world have a very hard time negotiating for themselves. And I write about that in the book. And also, people um, sometimes it's outside their negotiations, outside their their comfort zone, outside their box to use the lingo, right? Their personal uh, box. So you have to look yourself in the mirror, and and you get a book like mine. You read the book, you look yourself in the mirror, and you say, "This is outside my comfort zone, isn't it?" Or it's outside my my comfort box. And so now you know that, and you say, "What's the result? What do I do about that?" And the answer is you negotiate, you go outside your box. And if you need some help from, you know, somebody who's a friend of yours or from a lawyer or from a psychotherapist 
or from an old Weezen guy that, that that's done it before. Get that help. Talk with somebody about it because negotiation is sort of what makes America work, right? It is the underlying capitalist uh, theme of capitalism, if you will. And if you don't negotiate for yourself, you're just going to be taken advantage of, right? That's what's going on. You're not. You're, you, the other side knows what they know. You don't know what they know, and so you don't. If you're in a situation or you, that's not your comfort box. Like I said, you got to look yourself in the eye and get out it. Get outside your comfort zone. And believe me, and, and so nobody should feel bad about this. I've had CEOs call me up, very accomplished people. So they tell me they're they're. I just took a job, and all I want you to do is read the legalese of the contract. And so I I I, I read the I read the contract, and I'm like. And they tell me their story, right? Because I have to know the fact pattern. They turn out to be very successful people. And I'm like, you understand you're about 50% of market here. You could negotiate a lot more. And in certain circumstances, I've had them go back and open up a negotiation, which is like the worst thing to do after right. you literally shook hands. But, you know, if you've been sort of cheated in your negotiation, maybe you want to go somewhere else um, or try to get a better deal. And I've had, I've had that happen multiple times. And what's the moral of this story is, even for the most experienced um, who, who should know how to negotiate um, and, and should want to negotiate. they Sometimes they don't do that for personal reasons, psychological reasons, and, and, and so forth. So it's not it, – if it happens at the top, it certainly happens with everybody, even just starting out. And so when I go back to what I was saying, if you're not in that situation where you need that job for some reason that's really critical in your life or your family's life, um, then, then you want to negotiate and you want to look yourself in the mirror and assess who you are so that um, if you need sort of help or encouragement or a prod, you'll get that. Otherwise, you don't want to be in a circumstance two and a half years later, as you learned, you know, the, the entry level person is getting paid two and a half times as much as you as you were just because you didn't ask for more. That was what happened. Somebody offered you a low ball offer and you took it. But right. um, uh, but But having said that, Tons and tons of people in your circumstance. And so um, um, that's the whole point of my book is try to help people along at least as much as a, as either, a, you know, a, an electronic version of a reading something on a Kindle or, or, or in hard copy, you can certainly get in a hard copy can help you. And, but if you need more, you need people to help you, then you should do that too. Absolutely. I had I was lucky at one point in my career because I was in New York City. You had to have any um, you had to be with the union at certain radio stations. And so you were automatically given a union rep. And that was just fantastic because they, they did everything for you and they they were on your side. And so they were negotiating for you. That was a grand day. But it took me still even a while after that. And I went into another situation I think one of the best days of my life, and I can almost remember where I was standing in this company when it kind of hit me that I deserve to make money as well. I'm valuable. I bring something to the table and I deserve this. And it was just like it was almost like the chains had been lifted in the sense that I had been walking around always, you know, deferring to the company or the boss or the man or whatever. And it felt like I remember this day of feeling like I'm totally worth what I think I'm worth. And it's absolutely fine to ask for it. And it was a just a beautiful day. But I tell you what, if I could have had your book 20 years before that, I would have been happy a whole lot sooner. Negotiate like a CEO is the name of the book. How to get ahead with lessons learned 
from top entrepreneurs and executives. It's written by Jotham Stein, spelled like it sounds, J-O-T-H-A-M, Jotham Stein. And Jotham, you are just a wealth of information. I just want to tell people that you have like 60 fictional uh, stories in your book of, of things of different scenarios that people have gone through it, you know, in negotiating, becoming, you know, whoever they wanted to be in their company. And you have put these forth. I'm assuming they're real learning tools. They're absolutely learning tools. They're fictional stories that I wrote, but it's from an amalgam of my, of my knowledge from 25 plus years in practice. So, um, and, and I put them in there to underscore what I'm writing about and to underscore the specific uh, thing to remember and the specific item to negotiate, but also to make it a really fun read, right? Because there are characters made up and I throw sports in there. I throw travel in there or, or, or many other things and make up nice names of, of characters. And, and it's supposed to, and it's supposed to make every, entertain everybody along the way. So they don't, they're not reading some dull, boring book. They're reading a really fun read or a quick read. And, and, uh, and, and, and these stories will come back to, to individuals. They'll read the stories, your, your listeners, and they'll say, Hey, that happened to me or, or that happened to a friend of mine, uh, or that happened to my cousin. And so, um, to underscore what I'm talking about, including negotiating, um, that we were just describing about, um, about all sorts of things, whether you're negotiating for a, the job or the, or the, or, or your or salary, or you're negotiating to protect your business. Um, they're all, they're all fictional stories in there, un, which are underscoring. They're teaching, teaching tools to underscore what I'm writing about. I, I think everybody on planet earth could benefit from this. I have a friend who's starting a, a brand new business and I'm going to give it to her, but I can imagine every grad on the planet who uh, is graduating from high school or college could use the information in here. So happy to have you, Jotham Stein. Negotiate like a CEO, and don't we all need to learn the benefit of doing so? Thanks so much for being on the way home today. Really appreciate your your wonderful uh, candor and and you know the information that's going to change a lot of lives for sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Laura. And best of luck to you and all your listeners. Thank you. You're listening to the Way Home. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Smith, and here's a minute of purpose. Improving your life, 60 seconds at a time. You know how great you feel after a day at the beach or a quiet walk in the woods? Well, there's a new term for it, ecotherapy. The idea is that being immersed in nature is healing on so many levels. Ecotherapy often involves a therapist who guides a client through an outdoor activity like horseback riding, hiking, or gardening. The focus is on being in the moment and enjoying nature rather than on the outcome of the activity itself. Another way to practice ecotherapy is to take your yoga or meditation practice outdoors. Let the sounds of nature soothe you in the moment. Starting a community garden or getting involved in a conservation effort also counts as ecotherapy. The point is to spend more time in the beautiful natural world that's right outside your door. You'll be all the better for it. This has been your Minute of Purpose. Find more at nowwithpurpose.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I've been hearing about this show for many years, and in fact, know some of the original producers of it, but it happens to be the longest scripted musical in the country 
probably the world. And <laughs> it's very aptly and funnily known as Menopause the Musical. And so happy because for my Northern Indiana listeners, it is coming to the Learner Theater on Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. I love that theater. And then for my my listeners in Connecticut and New York, well, you'll be able to find it somewhere in the world and country because it's playing everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's been literally around the world, this play and this show. And I'm so excited to have Donna J. Huntley here. She is known in the program, in the show, as Professional Woman. Yes, Laura. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today, Donna. Yes, the Professional Woman. (laughs) Yes, but you, you have played the Professional Woman. You also have played... What was it? The soap, soap star? star? Yeah. Soap star. Yeah. So I, started off, I started off the soap star. Okay. Now I have not seen the show. I am divulging to the audience right now. I am going on Tuesday night and I cannot wait, but I have obviously seen, you know, information on it forever and ever. And it just looks so darn funny. Okay. So tell, yeah. Tell me. Tell us what, what the, yeah, Lord, the premise the of the is, program. You, you mentioned when you first started. When you first started, you said that this was the longest running book show. It definitely is in Vegas. Um, the world, I don't know. It might be Phantom because Phantom's closing now and that could possibly be it. But I will say in Las Vegas, it is. Uh-huh. And uh, we're very proud of that collectively. The producers that you know originally, the Gliss and the Green and the uh, Greenblatts, they have split up. And the Gliss now run the Vegas show. Mm-hmm. Uh, all year round, and the Greenblatts are now, um, they have the tours. And I see. Okay, they, thanks, they thanks for setting out. that straight. Yes, but it, it just looks like the most fun and funny, and obviously the the topic menopause you're thinking to yourself how is that supposed to be funny and there's probably a million women who want to strangle me right now going that ain't funny <laughs> but no but it, and that's and that's precisely why this show works because it is funny and it's funny because the four uh characters that are on stage they allow you to see yourself and go oh my god i that's me or somebody you know Oh my God, that's you. I see husbands, you know, oh, that you do that, you do that, as they're laughing together. And laughter does so much to bring souls together. I mean, I'm not even trying to be uh, cheesy or anything about it. There's something uh, physical, mental, emotional that laughing elevates everything to a higher level of joy. So, um, and at a time like this, this is why we survived. Not only are we um, funny and we're helping people's spirits pick up, but we're talking about a about a topic that has been around since since forever, right? Forever. As long as as long as women have been on this planet as we as we know them. So I and I also have a feeling that it's not just, oh, it's your time, you're this age, blah, blah. There are women who go through cancer who have early menopause. There are women who have other um, situations that happen in their lives. Menopause can happen at various stages. And for my mom, um, ironically, because she told me when she was in her 50s, 60s, you know, when we're supposed to have it, she said, I, I, I never went. No, I didn't go through it. Well, it turns out that when she had a hysterectomy when she was in her uh, early 30s, 
And that was the, her number six. That was my little brother. He came out and said, all right, bye. And after that, she had a hysterectomy. And that's when she went through menopause. Oh, I see. So a lot of, so we, the, because we didn't understand it, because when people, when people do, um, when they try to find cures and stuff, it's usually the male that they use as an example for where the medicine will come or the technique of taking something out or heart surgery. It's usually a male that they use first. And women didn't get looked at for those things, you know? As long as we can get those children out, <laughs> you know, there was a lot, there was a lot that was not explained. So anyway, that's yeah, why it's, it's so popular. That's why it's running so long. And that's why I continue to be a part of it. Because it's a universal thing, obviously universal, universal for women, of course, but then for the men who experience the women going through it. It's universal and, for everyone, their children, right. their sisters, their parents It's universal. for You just told me yourself, you're a caregiver. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're falling into that role. Women are always told that's the role they have to follow into, mm-hmm. you know? So I, this is, it's universal and also men children, aunties, uh, sisters, daughters, it's recognizable. That's right. But, you know, once again, it's been put to music. It's been made yes. a whole lot of fun and yes. it's a wonderful way to, to to make you laugh. And so the music, tell us a bit about the music, because these are actual these aren't songs that were written for the musical. Correct. These are actual soundtracks from the 60s, 70s, 80s. All right, so this is Jeannie Linder's uh, um, brilliant work of art. And back in 2002, she was sitting around with a glass of wine and started putting down uh, different words to songs that she liked and uh, came up with the inspiration to make, to develop a menopausal musical. Um, So with that being said, songs like... um, um, I I do uh, Aretha Franklin tune. I open the show up with a song uh, called Change. And it's sung to chain, 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 yeah, okay. chain, 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 chain of, yeah, chain of fools. fools. Well, instead, I'll be singing chain, chain, change, change of life for five Got long it. years. And I go on and tell you what my situation is. Oh, oh how you funny. <laughs> you, you gave me goosebumps. Your voice is so gorgeous. It's Thank so you. Thank you. beautiful. Yeah, something I and love you- to do. Donna J. Huntley, uh, mm-hmm. you have done so many. I mean, obviously, uh, Menopause the Musical, you've been doing a lot. Did you do it on cruise ships initially? No, 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 no. no. I, when I left cruise ships, um, actually, I, I left the ship life and I left traveling outside the country because my family members, they, they were ailing. They had situations where I needed to be closer to home. And that's what made me start looking for work, not just inside the United States, but hopefully the Northeast corridor. Cause my parents were in Ohio. I didn't want to be in, you know, Germany or Norway somewhere and have to figure out how to get home if there was an emergency. Mm-hmm. So out I go, and I end up with Menopause Musical. Um, so wait a minute. Oh, you asked me, had I done it on ships? Never. We have not done a cruise yet, but we're, we're, that's an idea that we keep wanting to do. You know, I, where they have a whole that would, cruise yeah. of um, women coming on and just finding ways to laugh and get through um, menopause. It is a sisterhood. It really is. For sure. And but you've done a lot of acting and singing over the years Yes, um, on Broadway, off Broadway. You've done Mm -hmm. TV. You've done commercials. Tell me some of the some of your highlights and your hits. Well, oh, 
this look wow okay huh how do you pick them out let's see i, I think working with lena horn was a was a hit um oh that was something that i could share with my family because my dad fought in world war ii as a colored soldier we were colored back then and um they weren't allowed to have uh lana turner or betsy grable or um um, you know, any of the, the god the Hollywood goddesses, if they were white, they couldn't put them on their lockers. They can get shot. But they could put Lena Horne on their locker. Oh. So cause she was the movie star goddess for you know for the World War II guys. So when my dad, who was very against me being in show business, and um he uh met Lena Horne, he um she had my family come back. They they were we were performing in Columbus, Ohio. This is on tour now. And she uh, had my whole family come back into her dressing room and meet them. So then when they came to Pittsburgh, I'm from Youngstown, it's right in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Yes. So when they came up to Pittsburgh, we were in Pittsburgh for two weeks. And um my dad brought over two busloads of folks who who wanted to come over and see the show. And she was so gracious. Uh, she came out on stage and had everybody come up on stage so she could meet and greet. And, you know, I just thought a, that was yeah. how she cool is of the, her. The epitome of just grace and and show business, but the way it in a classic sense. I mean, so beautiful, yeah. Lena because she, But she also understood that her position in life being this icon, this black Hollywood icon, um, carried weight. Um, a lot of times I remember being in Oklahoma and I was young and fast. I didn't really want to go to nothing after the show. So me hang out with my friends or whatever. And she said, no, we're all going to this event. And it was uh, the Delta. She's a Delta and the Deltas were honoring her for her um, extraordinary uh, things that she had done for the communities. And, and I was listening thinking, wow, when does she have time to do all that? Yeah. You know, and it just, I mean, I, you just learn, you just learn just being there. You just learn so much. And I can say that for Jose Luis Rodriguez Al Puma and for Cheyenne. When I lived in Miami, I worked for these two great Latin stars. And um, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have gone all through South America, Central America, Spain and Mexico if it hadn't been for them. They opened mm -hmm. my eyes to a whole new world. Um, so you say, can you name one? I have so many. Yeah, I've been so blessed and I realize it. I recognize that you look so young. I'm having trouble understanding the time because you I and I'm not just saying that because I am actually seeing you on Zoom. Everyone else is hearing us on the radio right now. But you literally look like you're in your 20s. So I'm trying to figure out how <laughs> in the heck that happened. But yeah. good for you. Have you how long have you been in show business for Donna? Uh, I started at 17. Okay. I yeah. won't ask you how old you are because you are ageless <laughs> as far as I am concerned. But you've done a lot of some wonderful shows, Hairspray, Nonsense, yeah. um, a, a lot of beautiful musicals. And um, I think, you know, when you've got a voice like that, you have to be able to do both, right? You have to be able yeah. to do legitimate theater, but also be able to s sing your way through it. Well, it's telling the story. So whether I'm a guest entertainer on a ship and um, I always try to, to create a, a roller coaster, you know, start it off, you know, high and then, you know, take it down, have a little conversation, do a little banter. Same thing with uh, being in a show, a musical or a straight play. You know, you want the people need to have you, you want your audience to care about the character. Mm -hmm. And so you have to open yourself up. 
you know, yes. and let them see who you are. Yes. As that character. I was a theater major. I got I did my BFA in in conservatory theater in New York. And I thought I was going to go on and be an actor in my life and went to school with some great people, Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent and some wonderful actors who are still acting now. Uh, But I somehow merged into radio. So uh, my singing days uh, I have not sung for a while. But so listening to you talk and and say all these things, it really reminds me of what we're so fortunate in this country to really to, to really own musical theater, I think, in a way, even though, yes, you can see it all over the world. And of course, there's operas in Europe and things like that. But the American musical theater is very special and very unique to, I think, to our country in, in many ways. And, uh, I, I just can't wait to go on Tuesday night because whenever you go to see a musical that's of the level that you're doing menopause, the musical right now, it does, it lifts you up. It, it lifts your spirit. It, it helps you escape it in all the wonderful ways. And I just can't wait. I can't wait because it's a, it's an experience living in New York for 40 years. I got to go to Broadway so, so many times and, and yeah, so it's just a beautiful thing. Well, I, I can't wait to see you as you play professional woman, (laughs) professional woman. And, and, and and do remind me that men enjoy this show as well. Menopause. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's something for everyone. And I mean that, um, I know we're sometimes we play at universities because, um, in that town, that's the only big theater or, you know, uh, professional theater they may have is at the university. And I, I'm, I'm just shocked at how many young people show up. I don't mean, uh, seven, eight, nine. I mean, um, college and just before college, high school, you know, high school, because now with all this musical high school and all that stuff, the drama classes are like, big deal now uh we didn't it wasn't that much of a deal for us just nerdy people were in the drama club when i was going to school but now it's a cool thing so go figure Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah they and they um and they come afterwards to say hey i really enjoyed that and and they're in shock i really enjoyed that (laughs) yeah because you don't think that's the demographic that's you know necessarily going to sometimes sometimes like they'll we'll have some security guards there who are just you know they always work security when they don't have anything better to do whatever this is at some of the bigger arenas and um they'll come and go guys were good you know (laughs) like if you get my approval because i'm at all the shows you know that you know you guys were good (laughs) <laughs> it's like, well, thank you. Appreciate that. You know, because I think the, the title throw, it throws you off. It does. Yes. But don't it, let it. It's a, no. it's yes. Menopause is for real. And there we do struggle, but because of shows like this, our sisterhood will get you through it. Ah, oh, it'll be loads and loads of fun. Donna J. Huntley, she's in uh, menopause, the musical at yes. the Lerner theater in Elkhart, Indiana, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday night, the 27th, 7.30. It's a 90-minute show. There is no intermission, which I like that. Because I, I, once I get into it, I don't want anybody to take me away. It's just I'm having too much fun. So I look forward to that. Donna J. Huntley, thank you so much. You have Laura, such a beautiful you. voice. What I can't wait pleasure. to see you perform. Yes, thank I'm you. I'm going to look for you. I'll be waving. Okay. I'll be or, the one waving at you. Or text me let me know you're there. I'll do that, too. Thank you so, so much. Menopause the Musical, everybody. Learner Theater, Tuesday night, 730. Lots of love from The Way Home. Thank you, Donna. You're welcome. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. So much fun today. So much to learn and just a lot of laughs as well. Um, Grateful to have Jotham S. Stein of Negotiate Like a CEO and Donna J. Huntley of Menopause the Musical. And uh, we always end on a high note. I think all my shows, I like to think that most of them are high notes, even if it's a little bit serious in nature, because I'm either trying to shed some light on something, something I've learned and I think is helpful, or uh, just truly inspirational and uplifting and positive. Well, we also do that by adding a good news story or two at the end of every program. We turn to Jim Cleefield for that, also known as Jimmy Dean and my guru of good news. Hey, Jimmy, what do you have? Well, we're going to start out uh, not too far from you, somewhere in Michigan. I don't know if you've ever heard of this food chain called Spartan Nash. Uh, it's capital S, capital N, and I'll tell you why. There was a group of summer interns who just made some history, and it's a summer they will never forget. You know why? Because they took part in something very special. They helped spell the largest word, along with volunteers, the word Spartan Nash, but you'll know what they did. They actually spelled the longest word using food items, non-perishables. I mean, listen to this list that they had. They had things like canned fruit. They also had uh, packaged potatoes. They had pasta, brownies. I mean, you name it. I'm just, I'm getting hungry just describing all of this. I don't know how all you feel about this, but the amazing thing is, it's like they, they all gathered together to make this special project. And the vice president of national accounts, Andy Clausen, was saying the reason they did this back in July to make this word and doing this special thing, he, they wanted to do something bigger than themselves. They want to be involved in something extra special. And it's really nice to know that, you know, on your resume that you're going to have a title of the Guinness Book of World Records for accomplishing something like this. Think about this. The word Spartan Ash. And all these food items, by the way, were going to be donated to a place called the Weist Community Center, spelled B-U-I-S-T. They donate food and clothing to those in need. So that's what they're doing with that as well. So it was really special what they did this summer. I mean, when I had internships, I mean, I, I interned uh, usually uh, in this media, and I, I had some great experiences. But this was really unique for these summer interns. And as I said, uh, just to do something very special like that, and knowing that you have the Guinness Book of World Records next to you, believe me, some employers are going to notice that. I don't know how you feel, but I mean, that, that gets you noticed. So wait a second. T- t- say the words again, because I'm. it's Spark Nash? Sp- Spartan Nash. Uh, you ever heard it? Oh, Spartan yeah. Nash. Okay. Spartan Nash. Yes. And so how but how big was the were the actual letters? Because I was going to say, they, like, yeah. it uh, came out to 150 feet long, 16 feet deep, is, if you can just envision how big those letters were, uh, using about 5,800 food items. big. Yes. If you can envision that. I mean, that's, that's, that's some spelling of the word there. So, yeah, just, it's yeah, really Yeah, Bob unique. and I were wondering, when you were saying Spartan Nash, and, yes. and you were talking about Guinness Book of World Records, well, I didn't realize it was that the letters were so big, but it yeah. was also they were using food to create. It. It's a grocery That's store it. chain. I mean, I've never heard of it myself. Yes. Maybe you have. But, yeah, they were the ones that did this, uh, not only with these 24 interns, but volunteers all across the country doing this. <laughs> That's terrific. Sounds Absolutely. Like too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Sounds like fun and um, uh, for a good cause. Fun for a good cause. What else do you have for us today? Well, this is really special. Uh, two Southwest employees came to the aid of a, a college girl who, uh, unfortunately, well, well, she 
finished her freshman year in Tampa. Uh, she had some fish that she wanted to bring on the plane to bring home for the summertime. But now I know when you go on flights, they do allow some pets, let's say like dogs occasionally, but fish are not allowed on airlines, at least not with Southwest. Well, you know what? A couple of uh, customer service agents uh, came to the rescue here to kind of take care of her fish. And uh, when nothing worked out, basically is Ishmael and his fiance Jamie decided to help this uh, girl, Kira, uh, take care of this fish for four months during the summer. So that way, because it couldn't go on the plane, and uh, she eventually did get the fish back on her way back for her sophomore year in Tampa. But you know what they did was really nice. Not only did they take care of that fish for the entire four months, they also gave it a bigger bowl. And they were texting uh, Kira to let her know just how things were going during the time. So that way she lets them know that you know, the, the fish are fine and it will give them back to you. And then she reunited uh, in Tampa with these two. And uh, not only was she happy to see the fish again, you know what they said? If you ever need anything, this couple here, Ishmael and Jamie, said, you just let us know. And I think she just made a couple of new best friends as a result of that. So great for her. That is so generous. Incredible. Mm. So wait, was this? Did this all go down in the airport? So this girl it was Kira in the airport, but they couldn't. She just couldn't bring it on the plane. I mean, she went up to. Right. She, they said you just can't bring it. But these two said, "Hey, just give the fish to us. We'll take care of it." And I guess they made all the arrangements to stay in touch with her. And eventually, four months later, you know, the fish is not only back, and as I said, you know, she's made some new new friends here. So that's that's really nice because obviously, you know, any kind of pet means a lot to somebody, whether it's fish or dogs, whatever it may be. I think that's just nice for them to to do that. That's very special. I'll bet she said ten. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you, Bob. That was uh, that's a dad joke, even though you're not a dad. I know. But I know. you, you had definitely to say qualify. Why yeah. I knew you were going to say that? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Oh, all right. Well, on that note, um, nothing fishy there. No. <laughs> um, thanks so much, you guys. Always wonderful to uh, be with you every week on the way home. Grateful for that and all my guests and to Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. Grateful for them. Uh, they help to keep your body really in good health. And for all of you, have a wonderful week now that it's fall. And remember, stay positive And like the show always says, live inspired. Or I should say Jim Cleefield always says that. Live inspired. Have a wonderful time. Stay safe, healthy, happy, and all of that good stuff. Lots of love from The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.